Well, it's a real privilege to uh, be here and not be sitting out there like I have done for the last three years, but to actually uh, be up here and be able to share with you a little of what God has put on my heart about the church. And uh, when Russ asked me to speak, I was really surprised, uh, shocked, because uh, after three years of being here and wanting to be up here and never getting the opportunity, I guess you have to leave and go on and become a pastor before you get invited back. But uh, it's a real privilege for me to be here and uh, to share with you some of the things that, that I've been learning and studying about the local church. And uh, I know that right now on campus, uh, you guys are experiencing uh, midterms and coming up on uh, this weekend's Disneyland weekend. And uh, I, this is kind of the time of the year, I believe, when uh, just that amazing thing called engagement begins to take place on, on campus. And uh, so I'm anxious to hear of uh, uh, who might get engaged, either whether it be at Disneyland or uh, in, the, in the months to come. Uh, it's an exciting time uh, to be on campus. So I hope, though, that you'll be able to put those thoughts out of your mind this morning as we look at what God's Word has to say about His church, as that's an important subject. Why don't we look to the Lord in prayer together? Lord God, I just thank you that you have given us the privilege to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, that you have saved us by your grace. Lord, that, that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is, Lord. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that, that you have designed the local church as your body for us to, to participate in and be involved in, Lord. I pray that... This morning, as we look at the mission of the church and the identity of the church, Lord, that would challenge us, each one here, to evaluate our role and our responsibility in that body. Just thank you now, Lord, that you would just use your spirit uh, to work in our hearts as we look at your word together. I would pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. One of the, the tragedies that I think that is happening in the church today at large, or the church probably in the United States, in our society, is that there is an identity crisis in the church. That the church, uh, there's some confusion about what the church is, what the church exists to do. Uh, what is the purpose of the church? What is the mission of the church? And if you were to, to go and visit a number of the churches, even here in the Santa Clarita Valley, you'd find a different emphasis at a lot of these churches, and some churches that have lost the focus of what God's Word says the church is here to do, and why the church exists today. And I think that the church in the United States particularly lacks a power because they have abandoned the purpose that God has for His church. Instead of organizing ministries around God's purpose for the church, they choose to organize their ministries around other priorities. And maybe you have come out of a background of a church that had a misplaced priority. Some churches today focus on people as the ultimate priority. And church becomes a social club, a social gathering. Uh, there was an uh, article in the L.A. Times uh, magazine uh, last fall about a church in, in the San Fernando Valley that was... Uh, starting a, an aerobics uh, club at their church. They were starting a fitness center. Um, they were starting uh, all types of different uh, social avenues for people to get involved in. And I believe it's because they lost the focus of what the church was here to do. 
why God established his church in the world. Because they were focusing on people as the priority. Other people, other churches uh, focus on programs. And the key to everything that they do is on maintaining the programs that they've established. They have to keep their programs running. And all their decisions then are based on the programs and what needs to happen there. Other churches, property becomes the focus. They start a big building program and they want to be the largest church in the community. And maybe you've been in a church that has gone through a building program and oftentimes what happens, not that buildings are bad, but the focus becomes, we've got to build this building. We've got to raise money for this building. And the focus changes from what the mission of what God designed His church to be to how we can get these buildings going. And then once the buildings are built, we've got to maintain those buildings. And the focus gets off what God designed His church to be. And I believe that God has designed His church to grow. He's designed His church to grow both spiritually and numerically. And that the churches that are growing, that are seeing an impact on the world are the churches that don't lose the focus of what the mission is that God has called them to be. And as we begin this series on the local church, I count it a real privilege to, to address this morning, what is the mission of the church? What is the church here for? And related to this, I think we have to understand what is the church? What is the identity of the church? Right now, I'm currently involved in planting a new church in Castaic. It's called Lake Hills Community Church. And we're going to be holding our first service on November 4th, which is only two weeks away. So we have a lot that we've been working on to get started in a new church. And maybe many of you aren't familiar with church planning. And as I share this morning, I'm going to be relating to some of the experiences that we're going through in planning a church. But the question that I've been asking myself as, I, as I've been thinking about church planning and preparing for everything that we're going to do, is how do you know when you have a church? How do you know when, when what you're doing is actually a church? And I wonder, you know, could you and maybe three of your friends get together on Saturday night in a dorm room? Would that be a church? Or could you get together on Sunday morning at the beach and call that a church? You know, you come in and report your church attendance as you come in on Monday morning. I hope all of you did that this morning. Do you still do that? Okay. Um, report your church attendance. And we had church at the beach on Sunday morning. Well, it was through me and, you know, we were believers and we opened the Word of God. That was church, right? Well, is it? Or, you know, we have chapel here. What is it? Three times a week. When I went to uh, Biola University, we had chapel five times a week. A little more spiritual down there, I guess. But uh, could... Um, that was a joke. Um, could chapel be considered church? I mean, we open the Word of God. We worship this morning. We prayed for the world. Is chapel church? Or do you have to meet in a church building to have church? Is, is it the meeting in the building that makes us a church? What is it that defines what a local church is? Because I think before we can understand what we need to do to fulfill the mission of the church, we need to understand what the local church is and what characterizes a local church, a local assembly. The master's college is not a church. The master's seminary is not a church. 
Campus Crusade for Christ, Focus on the Family, Jews for Jesus. All these organizations are not the church. These are parachurch organizations that have come alongside by design to assist the church in accomplishing its purpose. But it's not the church. It is not what God designed the church to be. And we need to understand what the church is in order to know if we're on ball, if we're going in the right direction. The church is not the physical building. It's the body of believers. The church is not the denomination, the sect, the association. But it's a spiritual body. And I want to look at the book of Acts initially this morning, if you have your Bibles. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2. As I think about church planning and the starting of churches, what better place to look at than the start of the church and what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Let me read together uh, for you Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And as I read this, I want you to look at all the elements that we see in this passage related to what the church was as it began. Beginning in verse 42, it says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we look at the birth of the church, we see action. We see a lot of things happening. Why? Because these people's lives were literally changed by the grace of God. Their lives were transformed. And a church is a body of believers whose lives have been transformed. And that's an exciting thing. We're not just a bunch of people who come together because we believe something. Oh yeah, we do believe something. But we're people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. We're people whose lives are committed to becoming more and more like Jesus Christ and having an impact in penetrating the community that we're in. Let's look at these things that this church was characterized by. First of all, we see teaching. They're characterized by teaching. They're committed to the word of truth. They're characterized by fellowship. They're characterized by prayer and communion. These are all elements that need to characterize the church. They're characterized by the supernatural. It says there was a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place. I think a lot of times we, we try to negate that and we try to limit what the Spirit of God can do in our church. I think there needs to be an element in our churches of the supernatural. Something that, that we can't explain except that it's the power of God at work in our lives. That's what happens in the church. Also, we see ministry taking place. We see uh, the meeting of needs. They had all things in common. They were selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as many, anyone might have need. There was true ministry taking place. All the gifts of, of the body were being used together. There was unity. 
And there was worship. They were praising God. And there was evangelistic growth. The Lord was adding to their number. These are things that I believe need to be characteristic of the church today. And I get excited when I look at the book of Acts and I look at the early church and I see the development. These people weren't overly concerned with buildings. They didn't have any buildings. They met house to house. They had all things in common. They were devoted to teaching and they were devoted to prayer and to worship. This is what characterizes the church. And as we see the book, in the book of Acts, we see the church expand. One of the things we see is we see Paul, the church planner. Now, many of you have always referred to Paul as the missionary. But I think if you study the book of Acts, you'll see that Paul was a church planner. And he went out with a team of men and he went around planting churches. So I get excited with that. Paul's my idol. Man, I'm going to go out there and plant churches. And as, as we see Paul in his ministry of planting churches, we see the identity of the church emerge. There's three things that I want to mention to you that should be characteristic of a local church. Three things that, that help us to determine that the master's college or a Bible study at the beach are not the church. And these are important for us to realize. First of all, a local church is self-governing. A local church is self-governing. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23... It says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. One of the, the key characteristics that establishes a local church is that they're self-governing. The local church wasn't accountable to Paul. The local church was accountable to God. They weren't looking to Paul's leadership, but they were looking to God for leadership, and they were looking for, to the leadership of godly men that were in authority in the church. The local church is self-governing. It's autonomous. Secondly, a local church is self-supporting. A local church is self-supporting. The church is designed to meet the needs of those within the body. It's not looking outside itself for that support. And as each... A uh, member of the body uses the gifts that God has given them. We see that the body is supporting itself. And that's one of the things also that's key about the church is that the church should have in its presence all the gifts of the body. We shouldn't just be uh, a few people gathered who are all teachers and we're all going to just take turns each week teaching each other. That wouldn't be a local body. Because the way that God has designed the body, as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, that He's made it up of many members. And each member has a specific responsibility within that body. And so, as we look at a local church in the sense that it's self-supporting, that not just financial support, but in the sense that each person is supporting each other. And that's what characterizes a local church. We look in Acts 2, we see that already taking place as they were beginning to sell the things they have. Why? They were sharing with those who had need. And that's a key aspect of what a local church is. Local church is self-supporting. And third, a local church is self-propagating. A local church is self-propagating. The local church is the place where the truth of God's word is upheld. They have a clear understanding of who they are and what they believe. And the word of God is proclaimed. And goes forth from that place. 
It's self-propagating in the sense that it communicates the teaching of God's Word and it is committed to reaching out and growing and building. You know, the church, the local church today is only one generation away from distinction. That's all it takes is for that truth of God's Word to not be passed on to the next generation and that local church is gone. And the tragic thing is that in the United States today, there are more churches closing than starting. And I think a large part of that has to do with the fact that the local church has an identity crisis and doesn't know what they're here to do and has lost their sense of mission. I believe that the local church is God's design for reaching the world. That's a, a key thing that I hope that you will begin to understand as you begin to study God's Word in the local church. <clears throat> and as different men will come and share this week, that you understand that the local church is God's design for reaching the world. And as I think about it, God could choose many ways to reach the world, right? I mean, He can do anything. I can just picture God... Uh, using the clouds and in some formation painting across the sky. You know, Jesus Christ is my son, believe in him. Could God do that? Sure he could. Is God going to do that? No. Why? Because he's chosen to work through the local church. I can see God sending thousands times thousands of angelic messengers down into every people group. You know, we talk about the the, the 2.7 billion people that need to be reached and the 16,700 plus people groups that are beyond the reach of the gospel at this point. And God could simply choose to take angelic messengers and bring them down to earth to proclaim the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. But you know what? He's not going to do that. Because He has chosen to work through the local church. That's His design. I think it's exciting to know that we can be a part of the local church. And we can be a part of the mission that God has for the world. I think it's a good place to kind of transition into my second point on what is the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church? What is the church here for? I'm often asked by people... Why are you planning a church in Castaic? This seems to be a, a common question that I get. Um, speaking with one of the pastors of another church in Castaic, that was one of his first questions. Why are you starting another church out here? I met with a group of men uh, last week from Grace Baptist and was communicating with them our vision for starting a church in Castaic. And again, one of the first questions is, why are you starting a church in Castaic? And I want to let you in on a secret. Because there's lost people in Castaic. They need to know the love of Christ. They need to have their lives transformed. And because the local church is God's design for reaching the world in Castaic, we want to be part of planting a local church in Castaic. And it's exciting to see what God's going to do there. The other thing is because I believe that church planting is the most effective way of making disciples of Jesus Christ. Church planting is the most effective way of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you've never been involved in church planting, you might not understand that. So let me just explain what I mean. 
so that I'm not misunderstood or misquoted. Um, when a new church has begun, there's a sense where their purpose is clearly defined. We know exactly what we're about. In fact, we have to know exactly what we're about if we're going to make it, if we're going to survive. And we are in the business of making disciples. And we know that if we don't make disciples, our church is not going to grow. Nothing is going to happen. And so as we go out with that clear focus in mind and that clear purpose and that clear mission to what we're going to do, you know what happens? The Great Commission is fulfilled. Because we're intent on fulfilling it in making disciples. I want to just mention a verse in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. You don't have to turn there. It says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies. And this is key. Listen to this. It says, So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. That's why we're planting a church in Castaic. Because God is glorified in his church. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is one of my favorite passages. I love this passage of scripture. Because in it, it talks about the fact that Paul is committed to God receiving the glory in this church. Let me just turn there and read it to you. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. The whole purpose of the church and why the church exists is that God would receive the glory. Well, then the next question that comes in my mind is if the church, if the church's ultimate purpose is to give glory to God, how can the church best do that? And I would think that the way that we could best do that is if we were all in heaven with God and in his presence. And I look at Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 and I see the church is there and the 24 elders and all living creatures bowing down before the Father, giving glory to the Lamb, exalting the Lamb because he is worthy. That would be the best way that we could give glory to God. That would be the ultimate way to glorify God. If he would just rapture his church up into heaven and let us be there in his presence, there'd be no sin, there'd be no... Nothing to distract us from giving all our attention and glory to God. Sounds good, doesn't it? So why are we here? Why are we here? What is the purpose then for the church in the world? What is the mission of the church? Why are we here? I think back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10... It tells us, describes both our identity and our mission as a church. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now 
you have received mercy. Remember, what is the church? We're people whose lives have been transformed through Jesus Christ. And as it says here, we are a chosen people. Let me just read for you Deuteronomy 7, 6. It says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Isaiah 43, 21. The people whom I have formed for myself will declare my praise. Who's that talking about? That's not talking about the church. That's talking about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had an important, special relationship with God different than all the peoples of the world. The nation of Israel, Genesis 12, 1, it says that God established a covenant with them. Why? So that they could dispense the knowledge which leads to Him. That was the purpose that God had chosen the nation of Israel. And yet we see that Peter here, in 1 Peter, is using these same terms that describe God's relationship with Israel to describe His relationship now with the church. That we are a chosen race. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2 tells us that we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. We are a, a, a royal priesthood. We're a kingdom of priests. We have immediate access to God through Christ. We offer our lives to Christ as living sacrifices. And yet, we have the privilege of being called to reign with Him. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Our lifestyle is a testimony. And we're to be holy as a people, as a testimony to the world. And we're a people for God's own possession. What a great concept in Scripture. Acts 20, 28, it tells us that we are the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. Titus 2, 14, it tells us that He gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. What is the identity of, of the church? Once again, Grace Community Church is not John MacArthur's church. Grace Baptist Church is not Tom Given's church. Lake Hills Community Church is not my church. It's God's church. Well, I left Russ out. Foothill Baptist Church isn't Russ Moore's church. Right, Russ? It's God's church. And it's this relationship then that we have with God that allows us to fulfill the mission that we have, which is what? To proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That that's what it's all about. We are to proclaim the excellencies of God. What are the excellencies of God? His praises, His attributes, His marvelous ways of deking. His marvelous ways of dealing with us. How He's changed my life. You know, I talk, I've talked with many people and, and talked with them about sharing their faith. And maybe this idea of sharing your faith is intimidating for you. Maybe even last week on mission, missions conference, you avoided being a part of a team that was involved in evangelism because that's not you know, where you feel comfortable. And I think it's really easy if you understand that evangelism isn't necessarily sharing everything that God's Word has to say about salvation. Evangelism really is sharing how God has changed my life. See, if you can explain to somebody what God's done in your life, 
And they can get a taste of that. They can understand what God can do in their lives. So I don't, I hope that if you can approach evangelism that way, it won't be as intimidating for you. Just describing the excellencies of God, what God has done. And ultimately, if I were to describe the mission of the church in one sentence, in one statement, the mission of the church is to extend God's kingdom. That is the mission of the church. That is what we can do here on earth better than we're going to be able to do in heaven. We can extend God's kingdom. Can we make disciples in heaven? Not really. Can we glorify God in heaven? Yeah, we can do that. Can we be, live holy lives in heaven? Oh, a lot better. But can we extend God's kingdom? No. That's really what we're here for. The church exists for the sake of the world. We are to desire to live as God wants us to, so we can be a shining light in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. says that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in this generation among you among whom you appear as lights in the world that's what we're to do we're to live godly lives above reproach in this godless generation in this perverse generation. In this generation that is committed to one thing, which is self-fulfillment. We need to show them that true life, real life, is found in being committed to Jesus Christ. Real happiness is found in a life that's committed to Jesus Christ. I love First Thessalonians and the, and the Thessalonian church. What, what happened there? Do you remember what happened there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, beginning in verse 6, it says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And then get this, verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. Isn't that great? Here is a church who wasn't content with just getting fat on the Word of God. Who wasn't just focused on, let's see how much knowledge we can take in. Let's see how much we can grow spiritually. But they looked for an outlet. They proclaimed the Word in every place. That's what happened in Acts. Remember Acts chapter 5? Peter and the apostles are called before the Jewish leaders. And what did they tell them? They said, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. What happened later uh, on, on Paul's journey? They talked about how this, this movement that they couldn't actually explain. They didn't understand what was going on. They, they claimed that it had turned the world upside down. Well, gosh, why isn't the church doing that today? It's because we've lost sight of our mission. We've lost sight of our mission. The early church didn't isolate itself from the world. The early church penetrated the world and penetrated the community that they live in. 
I'd like to share with you our purpose statement for Lake Hills Church. This is what it says. It says, we exist to grow in our relationship with God and with one another and to maximize our unique giftedness and calling in order that we can bring others into that same relationship. That's our purpose. That's our mission statement. That's what we're about. We don't want to grow just for the sake of spiritual growth, but we want to grow for the sake that we can can get closer to God and get closer to God's heart and become more like Christ so that we can in turn bring others into that same relationship. You know, we, we share with people in our, in our growth groups that meet during the week that if you're benefiting from what's taking place in this group as you grow closer to Christ, is there somebody else that you know that you'd like them to get a taste of this? That you'd like them to have a part in this? Why not bring them next week? And we try to encourage our people to have a mindset that not only are they trying to grow as close to Christ as they can, but they're trying to get other people to grow close to Christ too. That's what making disciples is all about. Two passages, of course, come to my mind. One is Matthew 22, 37 through 40, which you're familiar with is the great commandment. Basically, we're to love God and we're to love people. And then Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which is the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. And I think about the mission of the church, and I think about our purpose statement, I think it comes right out of, of both those passages, that we want to love God and love people, and we want to help other people to love God and love people too. And that's exciting to be a part of. We believe that at our church, our purpose and our mission statement should permeate everything we do. So the, the ministries that we design aren't just designed for the sake of ministry or, or the sake of, well, we got kids, we've got to do something with them. They're designed to help us fulfill and accomplish that purpose. The decisions that we make aren't based on uh, you know, the person in the, on the board or the committee that has the, the greatest influence. They're based on what we believe God has called us to do and established us as a church to be. And there's basically four ways that we try to fulfill this purpose. And uh, the first one is through celebration and worship. We desire to uh, be a community that worships God. The second way is through caring for one another and through ministry and meeting needs. The third way we do that is through cultivating spiritual growth through teaching from the pulpit, through small groups. We desire to see people grow spiritually. And fourthly, it's through communicating Christ to the world. These are the four areas that we focus on to fulfill the purpose of the church. And if you come to our church, you can visit sometime. That's fine. Um, don't all come at once. Um, you'll see that our purpose statements are on banners in the front of the church. Because we want people to clearly know what we're there for. We want everything we do to be guided and led by the fact that that's what we're committed to. There's a lot, a lot of passages that I get excited about. Um, one of them is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verses uh, 19 and 20. Let's go back to verse 18. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation, God's word. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our ministry. We have a ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It's when a person is out of relationship with someone to try to reconcile that relationship. And that's where all of us were before uh, we were reconciled to God. And now He's given us that same ministry to turn around and just do that with other people. And that's really exciting. I remember uh, a missions trip I took my freshman year in college. I went down to Mexico City with a a group from Grace Community Church. And I was down there and and we're on the Universidad de Mexico uh, in Mexico City, which is the largest university uh, that I've ever been on with with 350,000 students. Um, quite a bit bigger than the Master's College. And uh, we're down there and we're, we're uh, talking with people the best we can in Spanish. And uh, we met some girls on the volleyball team. And we were trying to explain to them why, uh, as Americanos, we were down uh, on their campus, seeing as we didn't speak Spanish. They couldn't really figure it out. So um, all of a sudden, Peter gets this light bulb that goes off in his head and he says, he opens up his Bible and he turns to this passage and he says, we are ambassadores. And, you know, we're making up the Spanish where we think that's right. So we're going to... And they, like, nod their head. You know, they understand ambassadores. And then Peter stops. He goes, no, no, no. We're not ambassadores for, you know, los Estados Unidos. But we're ambassadores for Christ. And, and you know, I was like, wow. It's just, you know, you talk, think about this passage and think about, well, we're ambassadors for Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm in this cross-cultural context and immediately, bingo, it sets in. Yeah, that's what we are. But we don't, we're not just ambassadors when we're in Mexico City or when we're on missions conference or when, you know, we go on a summer missions trip. We're to be ministers of reconciliation every day of the week. And that's what the purpose and ministry of the church is all about. One of the things as I think about starting a new church in Castaic, our focus is not on finding all the Christians that have moved to Castaic in the last three years and haven't found a good church. Because there's, um, there's actually until uh, this summer, there's only been one church in Castaic. And uh, as you know, uh, if you only got one church to choose from, it might not meet your needs. So our, church, our purpose isn't to go out there and just find all of the, un, you know, all the church people that are looking for a new church and try to get them to come to our church. We call that transfer growth. But you know what? Transfer growth doesn't extend the kingdom of God. It just shuffles the deck. It just moves the Christians around. Transfer growth isn't what we're about. We're about kingdom growth. We're about extending the kingdom. With Missions Conference, we had a uh, community picnic. And we invited people from the community to come to our church, or come to a park for a picnic. And would you know what? They came. In fact, we had over a hundred people show up to this picnic that we sponsored in the park. And a lot of them knew, I mean, they knew it was sponsored by a church and they're interested in, and desiring to find out about what this church is about. And we're trying to build bridges into the community that way. Uh, one of our uh, associate pastors, Todd Brooks, many of you know Todd, um, Todd had a group of, of people over at his home on Friday night and was just sharing with them about Christ and and uh, the difference that Christ has made in his life. And, and uh, one of the things he was sharing was, you know, how much he loves to, to water, uh, snow ski and how when he's out 
you know, skiing, how he can enjoy the creation of God and, and just how, you know, how amazing it is that God created this ex nihilo, you know, he's getting into theology and yet relating it to where they're at. And, uh, one of the guys that was there, a man named Charlie, was there with his wife and Charlie said, you know, we, we're not churchgoers, but we're going to go to your church. And I thought, isn't that great? that Todd has been able to build a relationship with this couple so that they're willing to look into to spiritual things. And that through that relationship, Todd can use that relationship as a bridge to share the gospel with them. And I hope that, that if you remember that you'll pray for Charlie and his wife, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, that we design to do, is based on fulfilling that mission, which is, we believe, is reaching those people that are unchurched, that are unsaved, that maybe had a bad experience with the church in the past or whatever, uh, that we can see them come to know Jesus Christ. And that's, that's really what the local church exists to do. And I would, I would just challenge you, as we come to a close on our time together, that you would ask God how He wants you to be a part of a local church. How He wants you to be a part of extending His kingdom. And like I mentioned, I went, you know, I went to Biola and I sat in, in chapel five days a week. And I knew how hard that after five days a week of, of good Bible teaching, how hard it was to want to show up on Sunday morning in church, let alone come back on Sunday night. And maybe many of you feel that way also. Maybe many of you um, feel like, you know, the Dead Sea. I, when I was in Israel, we, we saw such a contrast between the Sea of Galilee, which is in the north, and the Dead Sea, which is in the south. And the difference between those two bodies of water is that the Sea of Galilee has a place to let out, but the Dead Sea doesn't. And if you don't have a place to let out, to release all that you're taking in, you're going to become just like the Dead Sea. You're going to be stagnant. Nothing's going to be growing there in your life because you lack that opportunity for ministry, that opportunity for being involved in a local church. And I would just challenge you to get a workout, to use those body parts that God has made you to be, to use your spiritual gift in ministry and be a part of what the local church is designed to do, which is extend God's kingdom. And I think that if you do, you'll get excited about it just as I am. Let's pray together.